What is up, ladies and gentlemen? We are back once again with another episode of Pucking Around. As always, I am your host, Noah Dog Dabur, joined by my good friend and co-host, Garth Charger Patrick. And uh, Garth, our uh, intro video is now a little outdated because it, it shows Ross Colton in a Lightning jersey. And, uh, well, as of this week, he's no longer a member of Tampa Bay Lightning, along with a ton of other moves involving Lightning in every team in the NHL because we have to talk about the NHL entry draft which happened last Wednesday, I want to say it was, and obviously the opening of free agency. A couple of trades going on as well. Haven't seen any massive blockbuster trades just yet, but uh, you know, a couple of really good sign-ins. But before we get into all that, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Fired up, man. It's kind of our uh, season finale, if you would, for our first uh, annual year here on the Review and Preview Sports Network, doing pucking around, talking hockey. Uh, you know, draft, free agency, frenzy um, just went down. Obviously, there'll still be more to come, but we're kind of getting closer to a little bit of a dead period before everything kicks back up in full swing. So I guess you could say this is like a season finale show if you would, but, you know, fired up as always to be on here. Um, and it looks like, speaking of lightning, that hopefully the weather has held off. I had like a severe thunderstorm warning before we even got on here. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. But uh Nothing so far, so fired up as always, man. Excited to be on here. Yeah, the lightning uh, are fired up. So is your weather. Uh, so is my weather. It's been like 8 million thunderstorms, it feels like, in the past week where I live. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. But um, before we get into it, got a couple comments come in. Obviously, you know, got to get the show started with the old Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! And our buddy Tom Scavetta. Good saying, buddy Tom Scavetta. Lads, lads, lads. What's up, Tom? What's up, Tom? Um, Tom is a Rangers fan. Unfortunately, he's also a Mets fan, so he's been suffering a lot lately. But um, his Mets have won three straight, I will say that. But uh, before we get into it real quick, uh, if you guys are watching not yet, make sure to leave a like on the show because it helps spread our show through Facebook's algorithm. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Review and Preview Sports. And uh, here, here's all our other social media. I'll let that ticker um, roll for a few minutes. But Garth, crazy offseason so far. A lot of moves that have happened. We're going to get into it in a bit. We're going to start with the draft. Um, there's been a, you know, a lot of excitement in the draft, but the first overall pick was not the exciting part because we kind of knew for about eight months now that whoever got that first overall pick was going to end up taking Connor Bedard, and that is what actually happened. It's like the number one overall, but those Chicago Blackhawks, and like it says there. Everyone knew this was going to happen. The moment Chicago won the lottery, this is a guy that consistently by pretty much all scouts and, you know, all all hockey fans who, you know, follow juniors even slightly casually, best prospect since Connor McDavid, potentially could be one of the best ever. I mean, he was breaking all of McDavid's uh, junior scoring records. But I do think he's kind of a little bit of a different profile center than McDavid, whereas, you know, McDavid's that guy that, he can score 60 goals if he wants, right? That's not really his game. He's the guy that, you know, wants to go out there, get 70, 80 assists. Whereas I see Connor Bedard guard this kind of that guy that could be, you know, 50 and 50 guy, put the puck in the back of the net at, at elite rates, potential Maurice Richard winner. He can still pass, obviously, but I think he has more of a focus on that goal scoring part of his game. So, you know, we, we don't really need to discuss the, the, the actual act of the Blackhawks picking Bedard because everyone knew that was going to happen. But in regards to the actual player himself, what do you think adding Connor Bedard can do to a Blackhawks team 
that has been in absolute misery the past years. They trade away Patrick Kane to the Rangers last year. Taze is now gone, you know, not coming back. We'll see if he retires or he does end up signing somewhere else. What do you, what what does Connor Bedard mean for the Blackhawks in the coming years? Absolutely huge, in my opinion, Noah. It's honestly like taking a shot of adrenaline and just injecting it into the organization, into the fan base. This kid, whether or not he pans out in the long run, obviously right now where it stands, he's a generational type of talent player. He's got all the hype around him. You know, this is going to fill the stands. This is kind of going to, you know, they're probably not going to go out and win a cup or maybe even make playoffs, but at least it gives like a sense of hope, a sense of excitement for the fan base. And two, also, you know, I don't know how much maybe free agent free agent guys play into this or not, but there's probably some guys that are like, hey, man, like younger guys, it'd be really cool to go over there, play with Connor Bedard, like all the hype and excitement that's going to, be surrounded around him in that situation like I and trying to bring the Blackhawks back to the team that we're used to seeing them in years past um you know so as of right now it's just you know it was the obvious choice to make we all knew it was coming but it's still a slam dunk at the end of the day for this organization and unless he ends up being like a huge bust and just doesn't pan out at all should be a very very good long-term solution for helping rebuild the team um and then two real quick, now, like you said, I think he's more of a pure goal scorer. Somebody like, you know, obviously Alexander Ovechkin, we know how, what he is in goal scoring. Kind of reminds me a lot of like a very young Stamkos, I think because he slowed down so much with his age and his injuries. A lot of people forget how much of a pure goal scorer he was early in his career. You know, it reminds me a lot of guys like that, even, you know, like prime Patrick Kane, all that type of thing. So, you know, it's going to be really, really fun to see what he can do there in Chicago. Um, and quite frankly, I am just so excited that he did not go to a team like the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, we're going to talk about the Flyers in a little bit. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. I think they got an absolute steal of a draft pick at number seven. But, you know, I think Connor Bedard, you're right. I don't think the Blackhawks are, are going to be any good to start. But getting a guy like that right, it, it completely changes, you know, the trajectory of your franchise. Whereas before, you know, they were middling, whatnot. They're in absolute despair of the pits of hell pretty much. You know, think about the Pens when they got Sidney Crosby or even the Oars when they got McDavid. Those teams still weren't good once they got those guys. But you knew if they developed right and they got the piece around them in a few years, they could be very good teams. And what do you know? The Penguins won how many Stanley Cups and, well, the Oars keep letting McDavid down. But right there, at least, you know, they're still a competitive team. You know, they made the playoffs pretty consistently in the past years. They sell out. And they sell out. Yep. I know ticket sales aren't like the end all be all, but at least the fan base is like super passionate and has something to be genuinely excited about because they know McDavid, whether the team wins or loses, they know they're getting like a top tier performance out of that guy. Yeah, him him and Dryside now I will say they kind of need to eventually do it considering they had what three first first overall picks in a row at one point, I think from twenty ten to twelve. Um but they did eventually get it going. I, I, I think that's kind of the same thing with the Blackhawks. I don't think they'll be any good next year, maybe not the year after that. But, look, this is a team that, you know, has always overcome the downs, if you will, and they're a team that's been very successful even in recent memories. So I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to stay down for very long, especially adding a guy like Connor Bedard. I think three, four years from now. And, look, you know, the Central Division, I mean, I think Colorado's a great team. You know, Dallas and Minnesota are solid, but the rest of the division, I mean, they're not world beaters, right? Like, there is an opportunity, I think, for Chicago in this division to be a surprise team. I just wouldn't count on it. 
because I think their team still has so many holes. And, you know, I think the um, the Pacific is becoming increasingly competitive as well if the crack can keep developing right. But, you know, I do think it completely changes their franchise uh, trajectory, and, the, and they will be competitive again in a few years. Uh, Reben Preview says, cheers to an awesome season, gents. Yep, like Gar said, season one finale, uh, 29 episodes. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to be taking – Unless there's some absolute, like, ridiculous breaking news in the next two weeks that, like, we literally have to cover, this is going to be the last episode for at least two months, maybe more. Late September, early October is probably when we're coming back, so keep an eye on that. But in the meantime, if you guys do like what we do and you enjoy college football, we do have our Sweet Tea Show over on the Sportsbox Network coming back this Friday. going to be talking college football previews, predictions, whatnot. Trolling up Garth's terrible Florida Gators, harping up, harping up, harping up the you can't see it back to back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Hopefully, some mutual trolling of the Miami Hurricanes oh, in dude. there as well. Yeah, they're a joke. <laughs> Best time of the week to take the ice three ICE tonight at the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania, says Big Blue Avenue. Hey guys, what's up, Ray? What's How up, you Ray? doing tonight? I want Ray. I want to get your thoughts on Ryan Graves when we get to that later in the show because I'm also uh, the other thing too is he should be extra fired up tonight. They dealt Blackwood. Yep. Or Ray should be like Hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, Ray is probably either getting hammered, stoned, whatever he's into, man. Because there's no more Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, <laughs> definitely not the biggest fan of his. Don't forget about Rutgers. Ray says. Uh, our good buddy uh, D-Bay coming in. That real quick, Noah. Yeah. I actually have a, attended a game at Rutgers when they played Ohio State. Oh, the God. year that Ohio State actually won the national title. Did they at least keep it within 35 points? The first half actually was very, very competitive, 3 nothing, And Rutgers actually missed a long field goal to tie it right before the half. The second half was a blowout, but the first half was actually very competitive. Yeah. Wow. Poor, poor Rutgers fans, I will say that. But, <laughs> hey, Rutgers fans, if you hate Ohio State, we took them out in the semifinal last year. They absolutely <laughs> choked. So there you go. Uh, I hope you burn, Garth, LOL, but slowly. Uh, don't know why he wants you to burn, but um, I don't may know. Or not, may or may not be related to the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> Ray says, I was there. I left after the missed field goal, damn. Unfortunate. How long ago was that, Garth? Uh, you uh, said national was, championship year. So. That was a while ago. That was what, like 2016? Oh, the, oh, yeah. The the Zeke Elliott team. I think that was yeah, 20, with Urban. 2014, something like that. I know. I know. I, so I graduated high school in 14, mm-hmm. and I know it wasn't super long after that. Like it was definitely 15 or 16, I feel like. I think I remember it being the first year they introduced the playoff. Which would have been fourteen because that there wasn't that, that was the year Oregon destroyed Florida State, and then they played Oregon in the title game. Yeah, it, I, th- I think it was twenty fourteen. Obviously, my memory sucks a bit, but you know, uh, races. It's unfortunate the Blackhawks got rewarded the first pick after what went on there. The NHL can't get anything right. Well, look, I will say right to my knowledge, pretty much everyone that was involved with that allegation. Obviously, I don't want to go in specifics because it's a terrible thing. Pretty sure everyone got fired, including Joel Quinville, which obviously if he got fired, anyone could get fired. I think it represents, you know, I guess a new era, if you will, you know, new era for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and look, they still are original six team or whatnot. But I will say this. I will say this, and this might be controversial to some people. I know we mentioned about this 
when we had Brian on the show a few weeks ago, I don't think the NHL draft lottery is rigged because if it was, someone would be getting on WikiLeaks and whistleblowing that bullshit because it screws over their team. <laughs> I genuinely think it's a lottery now. Also, too, here's here's something that I didn't think about when we had that conversation. The mm-hmm. owners would know, right? Like 100% the owners would know. And you could definitely make the argument like, okay, well, maybe like the owner himself isn't going to go and speak out against the NHL in fear of backlash. But you know damn well he would be like sneaking that information down the grapevine so that somebody that he isn't really associated with could uh, leak that stuff. I, I just think eventually someone will whistleblow. Like, what's the worst that happens? You get you get you get uh, assassinated. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But um, I, I think we would know. I think we know for sure at this point somebody would have complained if it screwed over their team. If you got screwed out of Connor Bedard, like like the Anaheim Ducks or whatever, who I think they picked second both years, Bedard and Crosby were in the draft. I think we would know. Now I will say this, and we don't want to get into this too much. Um, nothing you see on the show would prove the draft lottery is rigged. Why? Because the draft lottery is done before the televised show. The, the different the televised show is basically like the the NFL awards, where it's decided beforehand. Except the draft yeah. lottery is smart is smart enough to not say, "Hey, we're going to tell you all the award winners before the show." So there's no yeah. point to watching the show. Yeah, I'm not going to even get off on a tangent on that. But come on, NFL, do better. That has got to be the stupidest idea i have ever seen like hey let's we're gonna host an award show but uh you're gonna know all the winners before so don't even bother tuning in yeah it's really dumb and speaking of something that's a lot of people thought was very dumb guard we didn't have to wait long in the draft for our first controversial pick now i want to get this out of the way right now this is nothing against Leo Carlson. This is a guy we're talking about, Garth, that has consistently been ranked in the top three to four draft prospects. Um, earlier in the season, when Mitch Cobb was kind of that second guy, he was right there with Fantilli for that three and four spot, right? But this is the move that I'm seeing very high in the draft that people are really criticizing. The Ducks taking Leo Carlson at number two overall instead of Adam Fantilli, obviously with the next pick, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, look, I'm not an amateur scout, right? I just kind of, you know, read what the scouts say about these guys to, to kind of form form an opinion. Uh, we all know what Fantilli is, right? He's a he's a former Homie, Hobie Baker Award winner as the best uh, player in the NCAA. Leo Carlson is a Swedish guy, and I'm reading quotes uh, from Ducks GM here, Pat Verbeek, about why they chose Leo Carlson. He says, very excited about his high hockey IQ, his creativity, um, very nice combination, being able to make other players run it better while being able to provide offense, not only from playmaking standpoint, but from goal scoring as well. I was also really taken aback by his two-way game. Looking at him, we're excited for the potential for him to not be be a dominant player, not only in the offensive zone, but the defensive zone as well. Um, now, look, I, I've read multiple reports, or not reports, I guess, kind of, I guess, draft and analysis slash draft grades. Of, of people that are much more knowledgeable about these amateur players than I will ever be. Trust me, it's hard to keep up with these hundreds of prospects. Basically saying, Theo Carlson is a very good player. He has potential to be a first-line center in the AHL. But they do think that Ducks probably got it wrong because Adam Fantilli, at least in their opinion, you can take that out of a grain of salt, you can agree, you can disagree, that Adam Fantilli was the best player on the board at that moment. Um Garth, I don't know if you've read into any of this to kind of, you know, 
get some insight into it. But what were your takeaways when you saw Leo Carlson go number two overall? Yeah, I was kind of surprised, honestly, because like you said, I'm no uh, NHL draft expert. I think I did more research on Connor Bedard than all the other prospects combined, if I'm being completely honest. But, you know, from everything that I did see and, and do know, uh, Fantilli was kind of pegged as that second guy. And honestly, would have been first overall in most drafts if it weren't for the fact that Connor Bedard was in this year's draft. Um, I don't think that Leo Carlson by any means is like a, a bad pick or like they completely whiffed, but definitely a little bit head scratching. It's going to look like a home run if they got it right. If they got it wrong, they're, you know, they're going to get beat to death by it. What I will say, Noah, though, is especially if he does transition to the NHL well, they are really starting to stockpile the young talent in that forward core. Obviously, we've seen Trevor Zegras and all the crazy plays and performances that he's had so far early on in his career. Uh, really, really big on like Mason McTavish. I think he's going to be due for a pretty solid NHL career. Now you add in Leo Carlson. Uh, you know, obviously Drysdale should be back this year on the defensive side of thing. I still think that this is a roster that needs a lot. Uh, but at least they've got some really good young pieces that they could build around. I will say this for the Ducks, right? And I think you bring up a good point there that kind of makes this pick, if you will, make more sense. The Ducks already have a wealth of, you know, center prospects, young players. You know, they already got, even if it's not centers, right? You think about the players they have. They have Zegris. They have McTavish. They have uh, Troy Terry, Troy Terry yep. Jamie Drysdale. I mean, they got a ton of guys that they've picked high in the past couple of drafts to where if they pick one guy right that, okay, like like you said, guard, like it's not like they're picking a guy that was projected to go 20 overall, right? This is a guy that, you know, was slightly behind Fantilli, but it's not a major reach or anything. If that's the guy they really fell in love with, you know, I mean <laughs> – this seems to happen a lot with hockey more than other sports to where GMs focus on one guy and they fall in love with that guy. And I think that's what happened with the Ducks and Carlson here. Um, do I think Fantilli could be the better player? Again, who knows? I mean, let's be honest, right? Draft is always a crapshoot. You can, you can try and pick who you think what the best odds to succeed. But ultimately at this point, we don't have any idea whether Carlson or Fantilli would be better in the NHL. Most people think it'll be Fantilli. Most people are often wrong, however. I think, too, Noah, one kind of trend that we're noticing in recent years of the NHL draft is these teams, these GMs and scouts are starting to kind of, uh, I guess you could say it's a trend, really. They're starting to kind of fall in love with what I've noticed, the European guys, um, as well as the, the national development team, not saying that they weren't drafting these guys like before, or they were going way later. Just, it seems like you're seeing a lot more often than not now where you're like, Holy crap, that guy got taken like uh, way higher than you would have expected. And it seems like those two places are kind of usually where those guys are coming from. Yeah, that's a good point as well. I mean, that's something a lot of people might not take into account. Once again, you know, Fantilli, he's award-winning player at the NCAA level. But Carlson was playing over in the SHL, which, as we've said multiple times, you're playing a professional league against a grown man, and you're still standing out as a great player. Um, maybe Carlson will come into the NHL sooner than Fantilli. Obviously, that's completely a complete guess. We have no idea what's going to happen there. But he has played at a professional level, where, whereas Fantilli has played at an amateur level. 
I think both players are going to be very good. I mean, it's it's too early to tell who will be better, obviously. Um, both players, when I, when I was reading up on them, do have a bit of position versatility as well. Um, they're both predominantly centers, but scouts are saying they can both play on the wing, so that could give, you know, NHL teams a bit more – or, or the uh, Ducks and Blue Jackets, more versatility um, to, you know, just put them pretty much wherever they want. Regardless, um, the Ducks making the big ballsy call to take Leo Carlson number two overall, and, hey, we'll see if it works out for him. Moving on to the next pick, Garth, and, or the next topic, and I hate to do this, but unfortunately I have to give the Philadelphia Flyers some credit for this. This pick was absolutely ridiculous, and I got to say, this player had no business being there at number seven. I understand why he slipped. I totally get it. But, Garth, I swear the amount of times I've been reading over the months consistently about Matt Vamichkov saying that he is closer to Connor Bedard potential-wise than either Carlson or Fantilli, that he's the clear talent-wise number two prospect in the draft. And if it weren't for Bedard, he'd be the easy number one in, in most draft classes. But because of this contract issue, right, This the fact that he still signed in the KHL with uh, St. Petersburg for three more years, a lot of teams are hesitant about that. And I get why, obviously, but right, it's kind of like, first of all, the, the Flyers aren't going to be any good for a few years, right? And most guys that are drafted in the NHL first round, unless they're very high up like a Bedard, are not going to play right away anyway. Why I think this is brilliant for the Flyers is that, once again, talented player, consistently ranked, in the past, as you know, the number two guy, the only re- main reason I think he slipped is a couple reasons. Obviously, contract thing, like I said, he also didn't play in the World Juniors because Russia was banned from it, so scouts were not focused on him. Obviously, because he wasn't there, they were focusing on other guys, less tape to analyze. But talent-wise, you know, once again, I've seen consistently people saying he, he's the second most talented player in the whole draft. He gets at number seven. I think it's a very smart move by the Flyers to. Focus on potential, right, rather than taking a guy you know can play in the next year or two. Even if he doesn't play for the next three years, he's still playing in a professional league, you know, against grown men, getting experience, bulking up, becoming, you know, a stronger, better player, what have you. Um, and they're going to stink the next few years anyway, so they can keep stockpiling draft picks. Um, I really hate to do it because, God, I wish, I wish the Flyers would just fold off the face of the earth. But I think they got an A-plus pick right here. Yeah, absolutely, Noah. I, I hate to give them the credit they're due, like you said, but they got a steal here with him falling to seven. Like you said, for the longest time, this was the guy that was pegged as, like, he is the second best talent. He's almost, you know, his numbers were, I won't say almost as good as Bedard, but they stuck out that much. And if it weren't for Bedard being so crazy, uh, it's very well that he could have been, you know, a first overall pick. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with why he did fall, obviously, with everything that's going on in the world outside of hockey. They kind of, um, I wouldn't say stopped following Russian players, but it definitely made their stock drop. Not getting to play in World Juniors as Russia and Polaris were both banned. Um, And just, you know, a a lot of times with the draft, it's hype, it's momentum, and it's really easy to fall if you're a guy who isn't in the spotlight like some of these other guys playing right up until, you know, pretty close to draft time. So, you know, it it makes sense why, but at the same time, you know, it's still like this is a really, really good talent. One of the best scorers, probably only second to Bedard, honestly, if we're being 
100% truthful in this draft, and he falls to seven. So, you know, good work here by the Flyers for once. Uh, thankfully, they've made a lot of big-time crazy mistakes, so it still kind of outweighs this one good draft pick. But nonetheless, you know, they did a good job with this one, Noah. I think maybe another factor as well is the fact that the first four players taken in the draft were all centers, and, you know, center is the most important position in hockey. It's, you know, more important than wing. Uh, Mitch Kov, I will say, still was the first winger taken in the draft. He was taken after those four centers. And then David Reinbacher uh, and Dmitry Simashev, uh, two defense were taken in front of him. Uh, William Smith, the other center to go number four to the Sharks. Uh, he's a player I like as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think it's a good pick. Um, now, <laughs> it's going to take way too long to cover all the draft picks. There's a lot of interesting ones. So, Garth, in your opinion – any other interesting picks or storylines that stick out to you? There's a couple for me. Um, I heard people saying Ryan Bacher at number five to the Canadians was was a little bit too high for his draft stock. Uh, Ryan Leonard at number eight. He's a guy that I read a lot of good stuff about. Nate Danielson at number nine to the Red Wings um, was another one that was interesting to me. This is a guy that I think early in the year was ranked in the top five, kind of slid down the draft boards. I saw one about a week before the draft that had a number 22. So it's kind of like the guy I guess people are very hot or cold on. He goes number nine. And I guess the last one that really sticks out to me, um, obviously got to mention my Penguins, Braden Yanger at number 14 uh, from the Moose Jaw Warriors. Very interesting player guard in the uh, WHL the last two seasons. He scored 34 and 28 goals, and last year he had 78 points in 67 games. So well over a point-per-game player in the WHL. Um, excited to see him. Obviously the Pens are not used to having first-round draft picks. But he is their, I believe he's their highest draft pick guard since 2012 when they trade up to number eight overall. Um, any picks that really stand out to you? Uh, one you mentioned, Reinbacher to the Canadians. Not really so much that I think that they reached or anything like that. I was just kind of surprised that they elected to go defenseman, honestly, uh, because that defensive core is really, really young. I mean, all but one dude who started for them. Last year in the majority of the games was all guys in like their early 20s, like first, second or third season in the NHL. Um, so, you know, granted, they, they need guys everywhere. Um, but I would have thought that they would have tried to add some more uh, scoring presence to the roster because they got already got guys like Cole Caulfield, Suzuki, uh, Slavkovsky will be starting to get more and more minutes as he kind of progresses through his development. But, you know, when you look at that forward group, you, there's not like a big long list of names that you can list off and go, hey, these guys have a lot of offensive firepower. I think that both are positions of need, but I'm just kind of shocked that they didn't elect to go with a center or a winger here. Um, another thing too, though, is the fact that Dmitry uh, Simshishev went ahead of Mitchkov. You know, granted the Russians were going to fall, but I thought for sure Mitchkov would be the first one off the board. Um, I don't know enough about the other guy mentioned to know if that was like a really bad pick, like a crazy reach or anything. Um, and obviously the Coyotes are another team that needs pretty much every position on the ice. But, you know, that one kind of surprised me. Um, going through the list here, um, like you said, it was refreshing to see your Penguins actually have a pick, which leads me to another one of teams that you can kind of throw into that category. My Tampa Bay Lightning did not have a pick until the seventh round going into this draft and make some moves. They pick up a ton of capital. JBB does it again, man. So like every time I think, all right, this is finally like the year where 
His hands are pretty much tied. It's going to be a very boring offseason. And the dude just goes absolutely nuts. And I'll be honest, I did not know much about this guy leading up to the draft because I did no research on who we might get because I was like, we're not even going to draft. So why am I going to invest my time? But we got uh, Ethan Gautier, and I think this is a very, very good pick. When you look at his draft profile, Noah, everybody had him ranked anywhere from like 15th to 16th was the highest I saw him. And then the lowest was like the high 20s. One person had him at 30, and we got him at 37. So I think that's a really, really good pickup for us. He fell a little bit further than, you know, most people had him. And I just like that he's kind of that prototypical grinder guy that has been so huge to us in recent years, kind of like that Yanni Gord. He's going to be really, really aggressive on the fort check. He's smart with the puck. He doesn't force it a lot. You know, just a really well-rounded, all-around player. Um, and we need physicality because we got a lot rid of a lot of it in the postseason. Granted, he probably won't play for a few years, but at least we're uh, starting now. Um, and then real quick, I'll just see if there's any other ones that kind of like really jumped out at me. I think the Sabres had a pretty good draft overall, like nothing too crazy, but they picked some solid guys to add to what they already had. Um Uh, I think, honestly, really, that's it. Now, it wasn't like, you know, there was a little bit of controversy up there in the top that we talked about, but it wasn't really like a crazy draft by any means. Kind of a quiet one, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't hear – I didn't watch the draft live, but, I, I, you know, I kept up with it a little bit. And, um, you know, it's like every year there's that one outrageous pick where some guy goes like, you know, 10 picks above where they're projected. And it kind like of last year, the whole uh, Shane Wright ordeal. Like yeah, last year's was full of controversy. Yeah. The Shane Wright dropping thing. And, you know, there were other ones, you know, I think the um, couple years ago when Kosa was the first goaltender taken, that kind of surprised some people. But this one, I, I think there were just so many good to solid prospects that, you know, if a guy, okay, was like two spots above where his objectives, like big deal, right? I mean, there's just so many. I think this this draft was very deep from everything I've researched into it. It seems like a, a draft where, you know, the, the top guys are great. But after that, there's a lot of really, really good prospects. Like I, I'm looking through again, Zach Benson at number 13, to uh, Mikey, Mickey Mouse, Bradley yeah. Sabres. Like I that said, was I the one. Sabres had a pretty solid draft. That was the one I heard a lot of people praising. Matthew Wood to the Predators was another one. Edward sailed to the Kraken at number 20. He was a guy that I saw high up in some draft rankings early in the year. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of really good guys that I'm looking at here. I will say one thing. Surprise the Rain and our good buddy Brian Atardo agree with this. Surprise the Rangers kept their draft pick and took Gabriel Perot uh, instead of trying to trade it for, you know, maybe a guy to help them win now. But um, he's another good prospect from what I've heard. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, speaking of your lightning, that's the perfect transition. We're going to get in some big three agent signings. We're going to go over uh, the biggest ones first, then we'll kind of just general thoughts on what our teams have done. We'll start with this one, since obviously this is the one you're going to have the most to say about. Alex Kulorn, been with the lightning since 2012, you know, postseason hero and whatnot. But unfortunately, guards, you know, JBB, like you said, he can work all the magic uh, he can, but when a guy wants like $6 million a year and you're already strapped for cap, it's just not going to be possible to keep him now. I will say, um, just from an outside-looking-in perspective, very solid player. Uh, he did have a career year, funny enough, last year, guard. 64 points and 27 goals. 
both career highs, which I would not have expected, honestly. But, you know, for the most part, this is a guy you're looking at score kind of mid-40s points, you know. Um, and you'll take that right as kind of, you know, middle six winger. Of course, with that contract, uh, it means that he's going to be expected to take a bigger role. And he's going to be a veteran presence on a team that, as we mentioned earlier, has a lot of young guys coming up. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw th- that Kalorn signed this contract with the Ducks? What are your thoughts on how it can work for the Ducks, how it works for him, and obviously him leaving the Lightning? Yeah, so honestly, Noah, you know me as a Lightning fan, I try to keep it like really real and have realistic expectations and not just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be able to keep all these guys, and then when we don't keep them, be like super pissed off. Like, what is our management doing? How do we lose this guy? Um, headed into free agency, there was two guys that I pretty much 100% expected to lose. One of them was Ross Colton because everybody that I follow hockey related around the league was talking, you know, even before free agency hit, this is a guy who has kind of earned himself a, a top six forward spot, which in the lightning, he was playing bottom six because of how deep our forward group was and just how, you know, the lines, uh, matched up for us and that he was going to command kind of top six money in the forward market. And, you know, there's no way the Lightning was playing, paying him that money, rather, um, you know, even though how much he's met and how much he's beloved by the fan base. Knew that one was coming. Alex Kalorn was like the 99.9% where I was like, I fully expect us to lose him, but I do know that they're going to at least make some kind of effort to try and keep him here. They're not just going to let him go. Uh, and they did. JBB tried. He pitched them a few different deals. Uh, the the final one, the morning of free agency, before he decided to go to Anaheim, uh, they offered him something like five or six years, so long term, and it was at 2.5 AAV, um, which, you know, honestly, for a guy who I would say is kind of a bottom six winger, at least seasonal stats-wise, uh, but had some really big-time performances for us in the playoffs. That kind of, to me, was fair money. I get him wanting more. I get why he went to free agency. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I won't say, like, it doesn't sting. It doesn't hurt at all. I'm going to miss him. He was one of my favorite players. Uh, just, you know, one of those guys that's been there the entire way. You know, he wasn't really ever hurt. I think that's kind of the biggest thing with him. He's consistent. He's always out there on the ice. He's a very vocal leader. You know, you're used to him being out there and making a difference, even if it's not scoring. So it does suck to see him go, but I expected it. And I'm happy that he got kind of a, a pretty, for his, his standards, the type of player that he is, a pretty decent deal, honestly. I think he made out all right, even though California is going to take like 48% of that to taxes. <laughs> he still made out all right. So, yeah, you know, like I said, no, it sucks but I definitely expected it. You know, I had a, a sliver of hope that we'd keep him and I know, knew we weren't going to overpay him, but it didn't happen. And it is what it is. Unfortunately, it's a business at the end of the day and our favorite players can't play forever. Yeah. I think uh, it was always expected, right? Like pretty much everyone expected, unless he took an absolute massive discount only t- if he took like only two or 3 million a year, um, that was probably the only way to say, and obviously he's not going to do that on a, on a free agent year. Uh, it makes sense. And look, there's a player that obviously meant a lot to your franchise. He was there for so long, as you said, came up big in the playoffs multiple times, but it is a business at the end of the day. I think 
Um, the Lightning will still be very competitive, like you said. They're making savvy moves, you know, being smart with the cap. Their their core players, like like Stamkos, Point, Headman, obviously Vasilevsky, they're all still there and for the foreseeable future as well. So I still think they'll be good. As for the Ducks and Kalorn, um, I hope he enjoys that money because man, he's going to be ready to start losing a lot of games with those poor Ducks, especially since they're about to trade John Gibson. By the end of the season, Noah, I bet he's wishing he stayed in Tampa between. <laughs> Being so used to being in the playoffs, whether he won or lost, we were always there. Mm-hmm. And getting their butts kicked all season long and losing 48% of that money to taxes. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, look, okay, Here, here's the thing, right? If they kept John Gibson and actually made half an effort to put a good defense in front of him, I think they could actually be sneaky good. But their defense is terrible. And John Gibson wants out. He said, word for word, I am no longer playing for the Anaheim nope. Ducks when he turned in his trade request or whatever <laughs> it was. So he's gone. Uh, and he was pretty much their only saving grace last year. So, uh, yeah, it's a – and, look, they already just picked friggin' number two overall. It's not like they're absolutely, you know, doing decent last year as it is with them. So, uh, yeah, hopefully – hey, look, if he puts up 30 goals but he's a minus 50, I guess you can say it's a decent signing. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> All right. Next one. Now, this one's a little more. I guess this one. I guess you say this one has higher playoff ramifications because it's a player going to a team that's already very good, and a team in Carolina that's already known for the defensive core. Signing Dmitry Orlov to a two-year, fifteen-point-five million-dollar contract. Obviously, we covered Orlov last season, getting traded to the Boston Bruins from the Capitals mid-season. And Gordon, this is a player that's pretty interesting. I think he's a. You know, I'd classify him as a two-way defenseman. He's not a guy that is going to go out there and get 60 points this season. His career high is uh, 36 from what I'm reading here, So, and he did have 36 last year as well. But for the most part, I think this is a guy you're getting to be defensive force. First, he's a big hitter. He blocks shots and whatnot. But, you know, he's also not a guy that's going to go out there and put 10 points. Like, he can put up some points. He's just, I think – more of a defensive first guy, but he can do a little bit of both. So I think for a team in, in Carolina that is known for good defense, good goaltending, I think it's a good addition for him. And, I mean, this is a team that's always been blessed um, with good defense. They still have Brent Burns as their offensive guy. Now they add Orlov as another defensive guy. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting signing for a team that kind of fizzled out last year, right? I mean, they had a you know good run, but ultimately came up short in the, in the conference finals. To put it lightly, they got swept, but they're still a competitive team, right? They're still probably the favorites in the Metro division. They won the division last year. Um, what's your read on on the Hurricanes getting Orlov in here, and how do you think it could affect their team going forward? Yeah, so I think, one, it is it is a good pickup by the Hurricanes. I think that Orlov really, really benefited off of kind of the hype of this past season where – you know, he was doing really good on a bad Capitals team, and then he goes to Boston and, you know, continues the momentum there, has a really good run with them. Obviously, they came up short in the postseason, but he was a really big part of why that team was winning while he was there in Boston before the season came to an end. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's like an elite defenseman by any means, but like you said, I think he's a really good two-way defenseman where, you know, he gets up and gets involved offensively. Um but more of a defensive first type of guy for them. Um, and really they just, they bolster a very good defensive core. Uh, it looks like they kind of elected to get rid of one or two veteran presence there on the defensive side, but 
adding in a younger guy in Orlov to uh, really bolster things. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I'm just I, I'm in such a I got to wait till they actually prove it type mode with the, the uh, Hurricanes. I think that they're a good team. They're going to be really competitive again next year. But as far as like actually winning a cup, uh, making a deep playoff run, it's like you, you guys got to prove it to me because you guys just keep coming up short. It's kind of kind of like the Capitals, honestly, when they kept coming up short all those years. And then finally, Ovi got his cup. You know, maybe the Hurricanes can do something like that. But getting off on a little bit of a tangent there, I, I do think it's a good pickup. Noah, I think he probably earned himself a little bit more money than he would have been paid just a year ago. Uh, based off of how much spotlight was on him and and performing well this past season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it's an interesting signing for a team that you said is it, kind of in an interesting position because obviously they're a very good team. They made the playoffs five years in a row, but they made the conference finals twice in those five years, and they got swept both times, first time by the Bruins and then obviously by the Panthers. Yeah. It, they're, they're a weird team, right? Like, even when we were mentioned talking about them last year, you know, leading up the playoffs or like, you know, they're a good team, but do we think they can win it all? I, I don't know what to think about them. They're one of the most weirdest teams to analyze for me because they're so sound defensively, but they at the same time haven't really had an elite goaltender since Cam Ward back in the day when he was standing on his head. And they're not exactly a team other than, you know, maybe guys like Ajo and Neches to where you look at them and say, man, that's an offense that scares me. Like, that's an offense that on the night could put up five or six goals. Yeah, it's kind of like they're really good across the board, Noah, but they're not, you know, like loaded with star power. Like, you can go, you know, that's one of the best offensive teams in the league or, like, they have the best goaltending in the league. It, it's really weird, honestly. Uh, Tom says, talking about Kalorn, tough loss, but expected crazy how long he was there. Yeah, his entire career, actually. Drafted, played in the AHL for us with the Syracuse Crunch, and then uh, obviously on the Lightning the rest of the way. Peter Manassian says, hey, Noah, first time timer here, but we've interacted on Brian's show. Uh, good old Blue Truth, always, always a good watch. I think your pins have made solid moves and will make the plows. Your thoughts? Well, I'll get into those right now, Peter, because the next segment actually – is Ryan Graves, uh, the first big move of Kyle Dubas's reign as GM in Pittsburgh, signing a six-year, $27 million contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I'm not going to lie, Garth. When I first saw this contract, you know what my reaction was. Uh, oh, not yeah. to, not, not, not I to think the exact words were, I already hate Dubas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, now, I will say this. That was my first knee-jerk reaction. I've had some time to actually think about it now. Um Here's what I'll say, and I did I did talk to Ray about this because he's a Devils fan. He knows this guy pretty well. Um, you know, solid defensive defenseman, right? A, a guy that's very fiscal, um, very chippy. Um, he's not a guy that you're expecting to go out there and score points, right? This is a pure defensive defenseman. If he puts up 30 points in the season, you'll be very happy. But, you know, and I know plus minus is, is, a, is a team stat guard, right? But when I look at some of his seasons, he was a plus 40 in 2019-20 Colorado, plus 34 last year. But like I said, his career high in points is only 28 in 75 games in the 21-22 season. But, man, 152 block shots last year, 135 the year before that, and 152 years before that. Uh, the past three full seasons, he's had over 130 hits easily. He also – or blocks, excuse me. He also, you know, hits at a decent rate. Um, he gets a decent amount of takeaways. 
I don't have a problem with the term number. Like, I don't think four and a half million is bad. What I'm less sure about is giving them a six-year contract, right? Because you can't easily get out of that. Now, I will say this. When I look at the the contract Brian Dumoulin signed with the uh, Seattle Kraken, I believe it was, he was it was around $3.1 million. But the thing is, guard, Ryan Graves is almost four years younger than Brian Dumoulin. So if the choice was either keeping Brian Dumoulin or getting Ryan Graves, which I think it was, Ryan Graves only turned 28 a month and a half ago. Like, six-year contract, it ends when he's 34. That's not outrageous. And four and a half million, it's not too high. I mean, it's not like they gave him a six by six or anything by that. I think it's manageable. Now, do I think it's maybe a little much for a guy that's just solid, but not elite? Maybe. But I will say this, and God, you know about this, how much I've been complaining about the Pittsburgh Penguins defense and goaltending. Oh my God, it's so terrible. And if this is a guy that's defense first, Look, you know my thoughts on Crystal Tang, and he was a warrior last season. I'll give him that. But, man, the guy can't play defense to save his life, bro. Like, he could not defend his way against the wet paper dag. I mean, 100% serious. The guy's a turnover machine. Love the guy to death. But, my God, it's just frustrating, dude. When you look at our team, and last season, our offense wasn't even that good either. We are kind of mediocre at everything, but we're typically more offensive-focused. But our defense, I think overall, it's a decent sign. Like, it's not world-breaking, but I understand why they did I'm much more receptive to it than I was at first. Now, I will say, Pens fans overall, from what I've been reading, absolutely love this deal. I'm not over the moon with it like some of them are, but I can acknowledge that we do need a defensive defenseman like this guy. I'm just not so sure about six years, but overall, it's not bad. Like, it's not like, I don't know, signing Chris Letang until he's 41 or Evgeny Malkin until he's 40 or anything like that. I do get it. Um, it is a bit of a commitment, but I understand why they did it. To be honest, Garth, I have more of a problem with the, what they gave Tristan Jari. Resigned him to a five-year contract worth over $5 million a year. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a decent goaltender, but when you look at his track rate in the playoffs, it's not too hot. He kind of – unfortunately, also, the, injury, the injury history as well is not and, exactly anything to get excited about. Yeah, so when I saw that, I was like – I don't know, man. I, I would have preferred to probably get some competition in there to kind of make him earn his place. But now they've committed um, to uh, Tristan Jari being the guy the next few years. I do think they've made some good moves. I think overall, and I'll, I'll get in their other moves in more general later when we talk about our own teams, they made savvy depth signings. Rather, this is pretty much their only really big signing. But it's decent. Like I give it like a 7 out of 10, if you will. I understand why they did it. Not so sure about six years. But I'm certainly not like I was when I first told you I hate Kyle Dubas already. I'm not at that stage anymore. I do. I'm, I've, it's kind of warmed on me a little bit. I'm not ecstatic about it, but I'm not pissed about it either. Do you have any thoughts on what you, your reactions to Ryan Graves going to Pittsburgh on this deal? Yeah, you pretty much summed up exactly how I would rank it as well, Noah. I don't think it's like a slam dunk. They absolutely killed it. Like this is the best deal that they could have made. Um, I think it's a really good defensive first player, which is what you guys need, especially with committing to Tristan Yari. It should hopefully help him out, make his life a little bit easier in net. Um, and 4.5 AAV, honestly, is not that crazy for a solid defenseman, especially when you consider just uh, my Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, last offseason decided to sign Mikhail Sergachev for the same exact money as Norris winning Victor Hedman was being paid. 
at 10 and a half. So, you know, <laughs> it's not exactly uh, like uh, they threw the, the Brinks truck at this guy. Um, and really my only gripe with it would be exactly what you said, six years. It's just, it's something about the penguins and they love long-term deals. Like it, they're like, you get a long-term deal. You get a long-term deal. Yep. Oh, you're going to be like our uh, prospect that we might call up if we absolutely have to long-term deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's my main gripe with it. Overall, I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, going back to Peter's comment real quick. Um, I think the pins made solid moves overall. I'd agree. Um, and we'll make the playoffs. I think they could make the playoffs, Peter. The thing is, I don't think you're going to go deep because, once again, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Jari in the playoffs. And quite frankly, I just think there's teams in our division that are better than us. I think – I'm assuming since you said we've talked to Brian show, you're a Rangers fan. I think the Rangers are obviously way better. The Hurricanes are way better. The, the Devils, unless they fall off a cliff, but I don't think they will because they have so many young players, which I think is why they let Ryan Graves go to make room for guys like Luke Hughes and Simon Nimitz as their defensive prospects. I think the Devils are in a way better position. Even the Islanders guard. We we either lost three or four or we lost all four games last year to the friggin' Islanders who made the playoffs ahead of us by, what, one point or whatever it was. Like, I've always said this to you, and, like, it's the point of, you know, it kind of becoming a bit of a running meme. Pens have talent. The problem is they don't have any friggin' spine at all, other than a few players. They're, they're very soft, which is why I actually like some of the depth signings that they have made. So could they make the playoffs? Maybe. Do I think they'll be a threat if they do? I do not, unfortunately. And, look, if, if you don't make the playoffs and you don't win the Stanley Cup, I personally don't care because I've already seen them win it three times. And that's the expectation I have for a team like that is for them to win it all. And I don't think they will. Speaking of handing out deals, Lou is going wild in the island. Yeah, he gave out – seven-year contracts to a couple of guys I saw. Um, he, he is going ham indeed. but um, And obviously the Bo Horvat deal that he gave uh, to Tim uh, Lester yeah. for eight years. Yep. He, uh, hey, there's going to be three or four guys locked in that team uh, for quite a while. But I will say this. He did get one biggest hit to Ryan, and that was the Igor – Igor, Ilya Sorokin extension for eight years at yeah, a little over $8 there. million. That was a steal of a contract. That contract is going to look very good in a couple of years because that dude is an absolute Any, Honestly, Noah, in the type of market that we have now, anytime you can sign a franchise goaltender, keep in mind, guys, there's a difference between a guy who has a great run here or there and is average and an actual, like, legit franchise goaltender. Guys like Igor, Vassy, Sorokin, et cetera. Even, you know, like Connor Hellbuck, who doesn't get enough love because of where he's played. Uh, you know, if you can sign any one of them for under 10 a year for long term, you're doing something right. And I will say this, and this is something that could uh link back to the Ryan Graves talk as well that could help Pittsburgh. This cap going up 10 million in the next few years, it's going to make potentially the Ryan Graves contract look better. Some of these other big contracts that are long look better, and it's going to make that Ilya Sorokin contract in a few years look like you know, one of the biggest steals in the NHL, and I already think you could say it's a steal. Um, now, I will say this. If you're a Rangers fan and you're looking at the Sorokin contract, you better be ready for Igor to get over $10 million a year once his contract is Absolutely. up to two years. And that is not going to help you because he already got some massive contracts and some cap problems to look forward to the next few years already. A couple more moves. So we'll just go through a few more. Uh, the Predators signed Ryan O'Reilly to a four-year $18 million contract, but they did lose Matt Duchesne in the process. Went to the Dallas Stars on a one-year, $3 million contract. 
Obviously, O'Reilly was the uh, Leafs' big trade acquisition last year from the Blues. Um, he was pretty good in the playoffs, but they did get smoked in the second round, so it didn't amount to much for them in the end. Overall, look, I think the Predators are another one of those teams that it's kind of weird to judge what they are. We thought they were going in a clear rebuild, and then they still somehow almost made the playoffs, but just barely missed it in the end. I think – I guess the main question, guard, right, if you had to choose between Ryan O'Reilly – and Matt Duchesne, like the Predators, probably did here. In my opinion, I would go with O'Reilly because he's very good defensively and obviously he has the playoff experience. He's very clutch in the past. I think Duchesne is a guy that I like him, but he's very hot or cold. Like he has a year like he had with Predators a few years back where he scores 40 goals, and then he had a couple years before that, I think when he was on, I believe it was the Senators, to where this guy was getting clowned as having one of the worst contracts in NHL was a big part of a trade that was looking like it was terrible and Ottawa was in and whatnot. Well, I think Ryan O'Reilly's just kind of – he's never been elite, right, but he's always been that steady, very good player. He can chip in offensively, stalwart defensively, wins a ton of face-offs. Overall, I think the Predators came out better here, and I think the Stars, they add another solid depth piece to their offense because, as we mentioned, repeated throughout the season, very top-heavy offense, especially when Tyra Sagan wasn't performing, Jamie Benn was having some rough patches here and there. Uh, it's basically guys like uh, Jason Robertson and Rupe Hans kind of having to carry that load offensively. Yeah, good signing by the Predators. Now, like you said, Ryan O'Reilly is kind of that journeyman, steady hand there at center. Really good two-way forward for them. Um, obviously, it wasn't going to be staying in Toronto because they have cap issues of their own. They have a lot of question marks right now with needing to re-sign guys like Nylander, uh, Austin Matthews as well. That's a huge question mark. They keep saying, hey, uh, we're going to get this done by training camp, but there's been zero progress made from what I've heard. Um, and also, too, that they've got a major question mark at goaltender as well because Samsonov uh, is a, I believe he's a UFA, might be RFA, but definitely needs to be resigned regardless. Um, will they go in the direction of Wolf? Because he actually did play pretty good, so they might elect to go with him. Um, but nonetheless, good signing by the Predators. Noah, I. Unfortunately for them, I don't know if it's enough to, you know, make them get into playoffs, let alone compete in playoffs, but regardless, a good signing. And also, too, I think Matt Duchesne to the Stars for a one-year $3 million deal, a rental, like we like to call it here on the show, uh, is pretty good for them because they add a veteran presence. Like you said, it's unfortunately, it's a guy who's been very up and down throughout his career. But even if they just get kind of like the middle of the pack for his career, it, it, that's still pretty good to add to an absolutely loaded forward core now. You know, you mentioned Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, um, Sagan, Ben, Duchesne. Um, you know, they, they got a lot of really good guys. Is Pavelski coming back? Is he a free agent or is he still under contract? Uh, I'd have to check, but I think he's coming back. I think he might have one more year on his deal there with the Stars, but I could be wrong. Joe Pavelski contract. Uh, okay, I think it, I think it's saying here he signed an extension in January, so I'm pretty sure he's coming back another year. Uh, yep. So Pavelski, so um, Wyatt Johnston, you know, they, they just got a loaded forward core right now headed into uh, next season. They did, unfortunately, lose Max Domi, so I think this is kind of their replacement yeah. for Domi. Uh, but nonetheless, good signing for both teams, though, I, I feel like here. Uh, Ray says, kind of screwed the Rangers with the stroke and signing. Puts the price for Shesterkin at at least $10 million per year. 
and the Rangers can't afford that. I agree completely. They're going to have to try and move somebody out to sign him. They're going to afford it, but at what cost? Yeah, like they're obviously going to keep him. Like they're not going to lose him, but they're going to have to give something up to keep him. And then then they're going to have to give him the contract. Then they're going to have no cap flexibility, and then their core is aging. This is why Brian and I, when we talk about the Rangers, and he's agreed with me, I think they have a two-year contention window. And after that, they're going to be kind of back in that tweeniersville again. I don't think – I know a lot of the team is young, but they're going to they're going to hit a decline, right, and have to retool and whatnot. They don't have a 10-year contention window like people, some Rangers fans like to think they have. Contention windows aren't that long. Look, I saw the Pens <clears throat> go from winning back-to-back Stanley Cups to getting swept in the first round two years apart. Like, it happens, okay? So – and John Suggs, uh, good friend of the the show, he's also a big fan of our Sweet Tea show. Says, "Are you surprised Calgary didn't do anything?" Uh, not really, because quite frankly, Calgary has no cap space, and yeah. they made their big moves last year, like trade for. They're, uh, they're a little bit shell shocked from last free agency there with that big deal they made and how it did not work out in their favor whatsoever, Noah. Yeah, at least not, not not so far. The Huberto uh, trade and extension, which I thought was very good for him at the time, has not worked out. They also made their big free agent signing last year, getting Nazim Kadri in there for like eight years at seven million per year. Uyghur as well. They gave That's him looking in- bad right now too. I always forget that that whole Kadri deal. So yeah, it can always turn around, Noah. Could end Jacob, up, dude. Jacob Markstrom's making six million in the next three years. I mean, I like Markstrom, but that's that's a that's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not surprised they did anything at all. I think their cap situation is absolute garbage, honestly. I think that honestly, too, Noah, me trying to get kind of in the mindset of that Calgary team, the front office, the coaching staff. I think that they're probably feeling that last year wasn't really a good um, like analysis, of you will, of how good that team is. I think that they probably are feeling like, hey, you know what? Things did not go our way last year. We had a, a down year, you know, a lot of career lows for guys. This year we're bouncing back. You know, we're going to get guys playing to the caliber that they should be playing at, like a Hoover Doe, even Markstrom, like the year. But a lot of people might have forgotten this already, but not this past season, the one before. He was actually in the Vesna race. Like he was having that good of a season. So I think that they're probably thinking it's more so, hey, we don't need to – restructure the whole team we just had a down year and we're going to bounce back this year i think that's what they're doing as well and they kind of have to do that right because you can't trade for you know guys like huberto weaker extend both of them sign us in cadre to eight years and then just have one bad year where you barely miss the playoffs say all right uh we're done we're gonna try and buy you know trade all these players for scraps pretty much you can't do that you got to go all in um i think the thing with marks and garth i think he's very hot or cold like you said he has years where he's absolutely incredible and he has years like this year where he just looks unrecognizable. Like, in, And you can't be that inconsistent if you want to have a consistent plan to keep making the playoffs year after year, right? I think that's the problem uh, that Calgary has. Um, Peter says, yes, I'm a huge Rangers fan, and I respect your hockey knowledge. Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, the thing with the Pens, and we've agreed before, extending Latang and Malkin wasn't the right move. Last thing, thoughts on Wheeler. Thanks. Um, I agree. I, I did not like extending Malkin and Latang for that long, I think. <clears throat> when you when you don't win a playoff series for what was it five years in a row, and then you keep extending the guys that are a part of the team, and, and look, it's not against the players. Malkin's, I love Gino. I love him too, but like when he gets to a point where he's thirty six, thirty seven, he's not the player he used to be. 
I think that was the point where Ron Hextall had to try and make the um, the hard decision to try and go in a different direction with the team instead of just keeping everybody around, like as I like to affectionately call them, a retirement home. Um, Inside sabotage job by Hextall. Yeah, it could be, man. I, I it could genuinely be an inside job. I'm, not, I would not rule that out. Former Flyer player, former Flyer GM, who knows? But like for a guy that, and we consistently talked about this with our guy Anthony Morello, big big Flyers fan. For a guy at, with a track record as being a rebuilding GM, that Flyers fans typically thought of, you know, in pretty decent regard for what he was doing for a rebuilding team. Every movie made didn't make sense for a rebuilding team, which would I thought the pen should go into a rebuild. After they lost that Rangers series, no team worth their salt should have lost that series being up 3-1 to one with it. the three-goal leads they had in games five and six. Just can't do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Peter. I don't think those extensions were the right move, but that's the course they've gone, and if that's the way they're going to go, they need to try and keep being competitive, um, which is why I think they did do the grave signing. Um, they could make the playoffs. Once again, like I said, I don't think they're contenders or anything. As for thoughts on the Wheeler signing, I think it's solid. I think he's cheap, very good player, veteran player. <laughs> he's going to probably go on your third line, and overall I think that's perfect for you guys. I think it's a very good signing. Um, but, yes, uh, final topic before we kind of move on here. Uh, the Leafs, Garth, kind of the biggest, I wouldn't say, I don't know, spenders, but winners. Like, they've made a lot of moves, it seems like. They've been one of the most active teams in free agency. Now, they have lost some guys. Like I said, they couldn't re-sign O'Reilly, but we always knew that was going to be a rental. Kind of same thing with Achari, who, funny enough, did go to those Pittsburgh Penguins. But they lost uh, Luke Shin and Justin Hall and Alex Kerfoot as well. So kind of the final piece of that very ill-fated Tyson Berry trade um, from a while back that Kyle Dubas did make is now gone. But they did make some really savvy additions, Garth. I think getting Tyra Bertuzzi in on a one-year deal, very good move. You just mentioned Max Domi leaving the Stars. I think another very good move, and once again, a one-year deal. So if these signings don't work out, they're gone a year from now anyway. And then they add in Klingberg <laughs> on a one-year contract, just a little bit over $4 million. Um, I can be honest, Garth, I like these signings because they're three very good players. If they don't work out, they're one-year contracts, so they're gone anyway in a year. And if they do work out, maybe they could help the team, you know, Hey, they finally got it past the first round. Maybe they get past the second. I don't know just yet. The, the Eastern Conference is, is very competitive. But what are your thoughts on some of the moves the Leafs have been making in the past few days? Yeah, so I think these are some pretty solid moves by them, Noah. Uh, Bertuzzi brings a very kind of physically imposing two-way uh, forward to that forward <laughs> core. Something that, you know, honestly, they, they didn't really have in the forward group. They had some, you know, solid physical defensemen. Um, you know, but they didn't really have kind of that like grinded out physical, I'm going to, you know, not afraid to hit you uh, type guy. So that's what Bertuzzi adds to that forward group. Max Domi is kind of that sneaky good guy where he doesn't put up like crazy numbers year in, year out, but he has those really big moments. Uh, most notably what he did in Carolina two years ago before he went to Dallas, he had a crazy uh, playoff run for them. Uh, and then Klingberg is actually a guy who I wanted my Tampa Bay Lightning, not really so much free agency, but last year at the trade deadline to make a move for just a very solid uh, veteran presence there on the back end, you know, going to be solid for them defensively. Something that I think they improved on last year need to continue to do good at and to improve on. 
Uh, but like I said just a little bit ago, still a lot of question marks for this team now because they either need to re-sign Samsonov, bring in somebody else from free agency, or maybe they're wanting to roll with the young guy in Wolf and Goal. Uh, and also, you know, Nylander and Austin Matthews, they got to get both of those guys back. I think either one, you know, getting lost to free agency would be a huge loss. You know, Austin Matthews, rightfully so. I don't need to do any explaining with him. Everybody knows who he is. But from somebody who's gotten to watch a lot of Maple Leafs hockey these past three or four seasons, William Nylander is a stud, Noah. That guy is a tremendous forward who, you know, I think probably doesn't quite get the respect that he deserves because he's kind of, you know, buried behind not only uh, Matthews, but some of the other guys as well, Mitch Marner. Um, so, you know, it's like these are really good signings. They still need to win the rest of free agency to kind of keep pace and stay uh, competitive in that Eastern Conference with how tough it is. Yeah, Neilan just really grown on me. I wasn't sure about him at first but i mean the past three years in the playoffs he's been point per game when you know a lot of people have yeah been even crazy. when honestly even when uh matthews and marner struggled he, yeah. he seemed to always be solid for them and last year he put up 87 points in 82 games i think he, he's really coming into his own the past few years which teams do you see getting better and which teams going backwards better detroit chicago carolina toronto losers tampa penguins Ducks, maybe. Well, I don't think the Ducks will go back too far because it's kind of hard to go too far back yeah. where they are already. Um, I mean, the Pens could fall off, but I think they have enough in their roster where they're kind of be like they were last year to where they're decent, but they're not great. They'll kind of be in that they might make the playoffs. They might just barely miss it. Who knows? I don't think Tampa's going anywhere. I think Tampa, yes, they lost some guys, but they also lost Andre Palat last year. And they still made the playoffs. Yes, I know they lost in the first round, but that's kind of been an abnormality for them in the past year. So I still that think Leafs they'll be very good. The, all the trolling and memory aside, no, that Leafs team was loaded. Like really? they were deserving. It, it wasn't like we just choked and sucked and they blew us out. Like that Leafs team was good. And I think not a lot of people realize that because they just see all the memes and stuff on social media. Teams that I think will be better, I think Chicago will be better automatically with Bedard, which we kind of mentioned earlier. I think Detroit, they, they started off well right, but then they kind of fell off towards the end. I think getting in a good signing like JT Comfer to add more to their offense, I, I think could be pretty good for them. Uh, I think the Sabres, I think they can take that next step and make the playoffs this year. They they almost did last year and just barely missed it. Uh, their goaltending, I think if Levy continues to develop, they have so much young talent on that team, I think they could take a next step. Uh other than that, I kind of – I mean, it's tough, right, because can we expect teams like Seattle or the Devils to repeat what they did last year? It's really hard to predict because they kind of came out of nowhere. I think the Devils are set up well the next few years with how much young talent they have to keep it going. I don't think they'll be a one-hit wonder. Um, Seattle's a little tougher because they just went on an insane, crazy hot streak run and almost <laughs> – almost pulled off a big upset in the playoffs as well. So um, it's tough to say at this point, but I do think for the most part, those teams you said will get better, John, will be better than they were this year. Um, yeah, I, I think it's been a crazy offseason so far, Garth. Um, so real quick, Noah, I want to touch on that one, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually feel the opposite about the Ducks. I think they got better because whether people think they reached or not, they got a hell of a player second overall. 
they bring in Alex Kalorn to that forward group. Good veteran presence, proven track record. He's a consistent guy. Don't have to worry about him being like injured consistently or disappearing for long stretches of time. Uh, here's something that we didn't even talk about. We talked about how bad they are defensively. Well, they just brought in Radko Gudis, who literally is like the All hitter dudes. of the NHL. This yeah. guy just skates around the place and levels people <laughs> night in, night out. And, and who can't love that huge beard of his? Um, you know, also they, they brought in Hag. You know, that's kind of a, a good depth signing. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying that they like drastically improved and they're going to go out there and make playoffs and go on a run or anything like that. But I do think that the roster benefited from both the draft and free agency. And like you said, Noah, with how bad they were last year, it's kind of like really, really hard to be even worse. Um, Tampa, you know, I get it that we lost some players, but let's look at it. We lost a like almost 40-year-old Corey Perry, which don't get me wrong, love the dude. He had some really key plays for us. But let's be honest, this is not the guy who was uh, leading the league and scoring back with the Anaheim Ducks. Like his best days are way behind him. Uh, Pat Maroon, the big rig. Love Fat Pat, one of my all-time favorite Tampa Bay Lightning, no doubt, for the character and personality he is. But the dude was literally doing nothing for us. Like, you would watch him, Noah, go out on the ice, and he was just there. Like, he was skating around, like, oh, no, I'm in an NHL game. And, and really all he was out there for was to kind of protect the, our other guys and yell at the opposing bench. But actually, like, contributing offensively, doing what a forward needs to do on the ice – Absolutely not. Alex Kalorn, you know, I can't sugarcoat it. That is going to be a huge loss for us, but I think somebody can step up and, you know, or maybe a couple of guys step up. Like, you know, we just saw last year two first-year defensemen uh, be absolutely huge in us for a playoff series. Uh, and, you know, the Lightning with JBB recruit find prospects as good as most teams in the NHL. So, you know, and also Ross Colton, you know, he had some really big moments for us here and there, Noah, but he was not a consistent scorer for us. He didn't kind of, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't a huge factor, but he didn't play a lot of minutes for us. So, you know, he wasn't like a top six guy for us. He was a bottom six guy. So it's like, yeah, we lost guys, but it's not like we lost Kucherov or Stamkos or Point or Hedman or Vassy. Like all the guys that are a major reason why we win are still there. Um, and we brought in a ton, ton of free agency guys and did really well in the draft when we had one pick going into it. Um, better Detroit, possibly. It's it's kind of really hard to gauge them right now because they are so young with a lot of unproven's. I do agree with the Buffalo Sabres, Noah. I think they might be able to make a playoff push because they were oh so close last year. Uh, Carolina, I would say, I'd say they're right about the same. Like, they lost some pieces, but they also added some good pieces. I don't think that they got drastically better or worse. Toronto, it comes down to if they can retain Nylander and Matthews. Um, and, yeah, that, that's kind of it. I just I wanted to touch on that as well. Real quick before uh, we move on to our final segment, any other signings that we haven't mentioned that stick out? That is a good question. Yep, I got one right here. No, I actually, I was just, I pulled up the list of all the free agent moves real quick and was scrolling through. How about JVR, a guy who we thought would never get out of Philly, going to the Boston Bruins? That's an interesting one. Um, 
I mean, he's been a good player in the past, right? It's just he had a terrible contract, and that's not his fault, right? It's just the fact that the uh, Philadelphia Flyers an absolute oh. joke of an organization. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this actually adds to the reason why both of us should have said that we felt the Buffalo Sabres got better. Connor Clifton to the Buffalo Sabres, I was yes. really impressed by this move. I thought it was a very kind of under-the-radar great pickup. I love because it. this is a younger guy who has really come into his own lately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very, very solid two-way defenseman. And, and for a team that kind of goaltending and forward group was loaded, Noah, one of the best offenses in the entire league statistically, mm-hmm. the defense and the goaltending was the major question mark. So for them to add not only Connor Clifton, but also Johnson, a proven kind of older veteran physical presence, but still nonetheless, he should at least help improve the defense a little bit. I think that both of those stand out as good signings to me. Um, Trying to see if there's anything else. Oh yeah. Uh, I almost forgot about this one now. Michael Bunting to the Carolina Hurricanes. And the reason being, this is a guy who has shown flashes that he can be a very good forward but this is like the character does not fit. Like this is a guy who apparently fights with the other player and coaching staff a lot. Like he's kind of, I'll do things my way, not the way you want me to do them. Um, Has had a lot of like very questionable, dirty moments in games that has cost his team, put him on the PK, you know, even suspended him for the series against us and took out Eric Chernak, unfortunately. So, you know, I don't think he's a bad player. Like, he has talent. He can be a good forward. But, like, the character issues, the on-ice issues, does not fit that Hurricanes roster at all. That one is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me personally. Um, and then, you know, I don't I don't really know if there was anything else that we didn't cover that, that stands out to me. No, I'm just looking here super quickly. Um Oh, yes, there is one more. Uh, Florida Panthers getting in Oliver Ekman Larson, a guy who I actually really wanted my Tampa Bay Lightning to get to bolster our defensive core. And they got him cheap one year. I want to say it was like $3 million, something like that. Like it was not crazy high for a really good veteran defenseman. I thought that was a really good pickup. Um, just scrolling through the other stuff here real quick, Noah. Uh <laughs> I think that probably is about it. I mean, there's probably some other ones that I forgot about that I didn't cover, but those definitely stood out to me. There's a couple that um, stick out to me. I don't know if you mentioned this one, but Corpus Salo to Ottawa, I think that is, is a really a good interesting one. one. He, because... he had a really good year for the Kings once he went over there. Yeah, once he got traded, I thought he was really good for him. And, and plus, Ottawa has a great offense. Their defense is okay, but what is I think really held them back the past couple of years is their goaltending. So if Corpus Salo can replicate what he did after he got traded, I think that could be a good one for them. Uh, I think Max Pacioretty to the Capitals on a one-year deal is an interesting one. Um, Ray kind of alluded to this earlier, but the the Islanders extending Scott Mayfield to Pierre Engvall to seven-year contracts, uh, one of them at $3.5 million and the other at $3 million. So relatively cheap contracts there. Um Let's see what else. The Clifton one that you mentioned, I think, is phenomenal. The guy is a defensive monster, and it's only three years at ten million, so it's cheap, and he's still only twenty-eight. And he added some decent offense as well last year. I think that's a incredible under the radar signing for them. 
Uh, what else? There was there was another one I wanted to point out here. Oh yeah, uh, two moves called Avalanche made uh, signing Miles Wood from the Devils to a six-year, fifty million dollar contract, relatively cheap, and also trading for your guy Ross Colton. I think the the Avalanche made some savvy moves there to kind of bolster their their wing options as well. Uh, comment coming in, I, I think from Peter saying. <coughs> What about Michael Bunting, who Garth just mentioned? Do you think Nylander is a goner? If so, is it the right move by the Leafs? <sighs> See, the tough thing for the Leafs is they have absolutely no cap space. And the cap, they really needed to go up more than just $4 million for next season. I'm looking at the contracts here. Matthews, Nylander uh, are both UFAs up this year. To be honest, the way I'm looking at their, they really do not need that John Tavares contract. Like $11 million is just absolutely terrible. Yeah, crazy. Marner, I get it because he's six years younger, but Tavares, I think, really hurts them. They do have Riley locked up, who's their best defenseman, which is good. But they don't have a goaltender either. Uh, to be honest, the way I'm looking at it, with how many free, unrestricted free agents they have and all the one-year contracts they make, they, they've made this offseason. It kind of feels like they're going all in for this year, and if they don't do it this year, they're just going to kind of lose pretty much everyone. I think they're going to cheap out on goaltender and roll with Wolf, honestly, like I said earlier, Noah. Yeah. Um, because he's young, he's cheap, and when he did come in in the playoffs, minus the uh, the Panthers where the whole team kind of fell apart, he he looked pretty solid, honestly. Um, real quick to Noah, because obviously I'm very biased as it is my favorite team. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts real quick. Was there any signing by the Lightning that you thought, ooh, that that's a good addition that might you know help the roster out? I know none of them were like super big names, slam dunks, anything crazy, but a bunch of like depth signings for cheaper uh, money because we're in a cap pinch, obviously. Well, that's kind of a good segue because the last thing I had for the signing segment is our thoughts on what our own teams have done. Uh, let me get your signings up real quick to just kind of get an idea. Um, I love this website. You can sort signings by team as well. All right, so you know, obviously you lost Killorn, but you brought in uh, you brought in Sherry. I think that's a really good move. I've always liked Connor Sherry, former uh, uh, to a three year, uh, to a six million dollar contract. Really like that one. Uh, lost Ian Colby, brought in Luke Glendinning and Archibald, Dehan, Logan. I mean, I think it's just a bunch of solid depth signings. Like, there's nothing that really stands out. I guess Sherry's kind of the main one. So interesting stat for you that I had no idea until I actually started researching. Uh, we did pick up DeHaan on a one-year deal from the uh, uh, Hurricanes. He actually led them in hits last season, so that's a good uh, physical kind of addition there to the defensive core. But, yeah, I mean, overall I think it's a bunch of, um, you know, solid, solid, like nothing major, but, like, they're all good depth pieces. I guess I'll kind of turn it on my head, ask you the same question, but for my team, um, because I'm looking at their contract signings as well. Um, you can you can look them up as well. But I'm really glad they had Zuper walk. I'm going to be honest, I've never really been a big fan of Zuper. I've always thought he's kind of just been a little overrated because of the players he's played alongside. Uh, when that expansion draft came for Seattle a few years ago, I actually was hoping they would take Zucker, and they didn't. And he wanted $5.3 million, which he got on a one-year deal with the Ducks. So I'm glad we did not sign him there. We met, we already went over Graves. Again, I kind of already mentioned Dumont. I think, you know, if the choice is between giving Dumont two years of that contract when he's almost 32 or the Graves contract, I prefer the Graves contract. I think kind of like the Lightning Guard. They made a lot of savvy 
cheap signings. Bringing in guys like Lars Eller and Nola Chari around $2 million per year for both of those guys are solid. They brought in Nedeljkovic. He's probably going to be, you know, continuing for their backup position. Um, the guys they lost, like I don't care that they lost Ryan Paley or Kulikov, but bringing in Nieto on another cheap, you know, $900,000 contract. Um, funny enough, Garth, uh, Josh Archibald, who you guys signed, uh, he actually got from us. He's a former Penguin, so that, that's an interesting one. But overall, I think, you know, both our teams just kind of did, you know, under the radar, cheap signings. The only major one that there is between our two teams is the Graves signing. Um, but, look, I think your team obviously is in a way better position than mine to where you just need to add those depth signings and you'll probably be fine. Now, my team, they're at a depth, which is great, but I just don't know if they have enough on the top to actually be competitive. Yeah, so starting with your Pittsburgh Penguins, Noah, I do personally really like the Nolachari signing. Um, got to watch a good bit of him, obviously, going once he went there to Toronto, uh, and then us playing against them in the playoffs. I thought that, you know, he was a pretty solid presence for them. Like, he, he wasn't really involved necessarily scoring-wise, but he was kind of just a, a puck pest, if you will, really aggressive in the forecheck, uh, help turnover pucks, um, you know, kind of makes the extra effort plays to set up the offense. You know, he should be a pretty solid boost to your guys' forward group, I feel like. Uh, we talked a lot about Graves earlier on, so I won't go, like, in depth on that, but I think that was a pretty good signing as well. Just wish it wasn't for six year. Uh, Tristan Yari, you know, I was kind of surprised. Not really so much that they re-signed him now because from everything I've seen, it seems like the front office and the staff is pretty high on him. Like they still have confidence and that he can be the guy for them. I just didn't expect that long of a, a deal. I would have figured that they would have maybe, maybe given him like a two-year deal. Like, Hey, you've got the next two years to, to prove that, you know, we're right about you and you're going to be our guy. And then maybe we'll sign you long-term, but they went ahead and did the five-year deal. Um, and Delkovich, I think that's a good depth signing, honestly. Like, he's not going to be competing for the starting job, but he's one of those guys that kind of excels at being the second or third goalie in your rotation. You know, you throw him in here and there. Has a really good performance. Lets you rest your starter and not have to worry about, hey, we got to play this guy tonight, but we're going to get blown out. But it's what we got to do because our starter needs to rest. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's solid. Uh, and overall, just, you know, you kind of hammered at home very much like my Tampa Bay Lightning, just a lot of uh, good depth signings to, to bolster the uh, defense as I, or the team as a whole as I get attacked by a moth or something here. <laughs> it's, it's Ron Hextall trying to sabotage me, saying that the Penguins made some good moves once he left. <laughs> Peter says, Pitt without a doubt got better. How far will it take him? Not that far, I'm afraid. I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Garth, you still have Vassie, so it's all good. Go. Yeah, so I guess I didn't really give my thoughts on the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, that he mentioned that. But just real quick, Noah, like you said, I think uh, Connor Sheary stands out as, like, you know, obviously not a huge, like, uh, slam dunk massive deal or anything crazy, but, like, a really good presence. He, he was, like, just always involved with the Capitals even if he wasn't the guy scoring the goal or anything, it seems like he was a constant there for him. He's another kind of one of those guys who you might not see lighted up in the scoring department, but is just a absolute puck pest, stealing pucks, forechecking aggressively, 
Uh, also another one of those guys that we like that can kind of get under another guy's skin on the opposing team, kind of get them rattled. The whole psychological warfare, the part of hockey, um, you know, then other than that, I actually like the, here's one for, you know, I actually really liked the Jonas Johansson signing. And the reason being is obviously he doesn't need to start. He's going to play very sparingly, mainly when Vassie needs rest. And I think, that's kind of the perfect role for him. But more importantly, uh, Brian Elliott, love the guy. He's always been a stand-up dude for us. He is friggin' ancient. <laughs> you know, he's the type of guy that you play him one night and he needs a week off to recover from that one game. I think, in all honesty, I, I, he's got to be in his high 30s. Like, he's getting up there. Um, so nothing against him, but obviously we needed to replace him with somebody younger who could actually take some workload off of Vassy because he talked about it um, in the uh, postseason interviews where he's like, Hey, I, I, you know, I hurt myself in the middle of the season. I knew something was wrong physically, but I kind of elected just to push through it and keep playing. And I don't want to blame my postseason performance on that, like make it be the excuse, but it definitely did not help him or make it any easier. So I think that having that guy, like I said, he's not going to start. He's not going to play like a crazy amount of games or anything. But having a guy that we can throw in there every, you know, now and again and not have to worry about him uh, needing a week off just to recover from that one start is going to be a huge plus for Bassey because we're going to need him, you know, to, to kind of get back to what he used to be. You know, I think last year still was not a bad year for him, but definitely a down year when you look at the rest of his career. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Brian Elliott was getting up there in age. And, uh, you know, I think it, it was time to get in their backup. And he was serviceable while he was there. But, you know, you can't have like a 38-year-old guy as, as your backup goalie. You know, you need to try and look in a different direction at some point. I think it was definitely slowing down towards the end there. So, I do agree. I think that could be kind of like a us signing about Nadelkovich where it could be kind of an underrated backup goalie signing. Uh, real quick before we do get off here for the night. Uh, it always helps to laugh a bit at uh, some of our predictions or whatnot. We've kind of made a habit of that actually the past few um, past few weeks, especially during the postseason with some of predictions. And man, uh, we're gonna go over our preseason predictions, guard. Now this was uh, this was not very good. Um, we'll go through this real quick. So everything highlighted in red is stuff we got wrong. Everything green is stuff we got right, and then the stuff in blue for the division winners is. Teams that didn't win their division, but they at least still made the playoffs. So, like, it's not a complete L. It's kind of like half a W, half an L. Uh, division winners, uh, we both got the Pacific wrong. Picked the Oilers and Flames. The Knights won it. We both got the Avalanche right by, like, one point. So, that was good at least. Uh, neither <laughs> neither of us got the Pacific or the Atlantic right. But I will say no one expected the Bruins to get 135 points. So, maybe we can kind of take um, – I don't know, something away from that. And then we both picked the Rangers actually when the Metro and the Hurricanes won it. So uh, any thoughts from those division winners predictions there, Gordon? Um, the the Oilers got hot at the end, Noah, actually. Uh, so that was kind of huge. Um, man, I'm surprised I picked the Lightning to win, honestly. Not going to lie. Because I, I felt like we were going to have a good year and we might be able to make another run, but I didn't. I, I didn't really feel like we were, you know, going to win that division. So I am kind of shocked by that. Rangers, I think that that was a good pick at the time, Noah. Um, Avalanche, 
that was a good pick, even though they made us sweat it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I think that we had some picks that were really good at the time we made them, and also some ones where I'm like, man, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, I took a massive L in the Flames, and we're going to see that when I get to my heart prediction as well. Uh, John Slug says, where would you like to see the Coyotes call their next home? And that would be a huge deal. Houston, Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah Jazz, is indicated he has an interest in bringing the NHL to SLC, Kansas City. I would say Sacramento, California, but Sacramento Kings owner is in process of buying the Senators. Where would I like to see him? Uh, Houston. I think uh, Houston would be an interesting market. Quebec City. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's completely unrealistic. But uh, Atlanta? That's a tough one for me. I mean, I would love to have a hockey team on my own state in the NHL, right? I mean, you know, we do have the Atlantic Gladiators and the ECHL, but have an NHL team. But it's already failed twice. I don't think it would, it would work again, which is a shame because I think teams in the South, you, we're, st- we're starting to see it can work with teams like the Lightning and the Predators fan base is insane. The Hurricanes have a decent fan base as well. You know, I, I never thought of this till right now. I actually think there's some major under-the-radar states where a National Hockey League team would perform very well. Uh, one of them that comes to mind, Maine, mm-hmm. because one, they don't have a whole lot of professional sports, none that I can think of off the top of my head to even compete with selling tickets and you know getting a fan base built up and all that stuff. Like usually, you know, when you think of a team relocating, like you know, my Chargers from San Diego to LA. They're usually going into like a super competitive market where they've got to try to compete with other, you know, established teams to try and win over a fan base. That would not be the case in Maine. Um, you know, obviously Houston, like you said, no, would be a really interesting market. I wouldn't be upset if they went to Utah. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, you know, and then some other states just off the top of my head, like in North Dakota, um, Wyoming, like one of those random cold weather states where you would think that they would enjoy hockey, but don't have much there in the way of trying to compete with. Because I think that that's kind of the best recipe for success mm-hmm. is going to a place where there is, you know, some form of hockey and there is some fan base already, but there isn't other professional sports to uh, compete with. Because I think the issue in Arizona, Noah, is like, who the hell gives a damn about hockey in Arizona? And I'm not even trying to, like, be mean to people in Arizona, bash the Coyotes. It's just, like, when you go to Arizona, the last thing you think about is hockey, playing hockey, watching hockey. It just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I would love for them to stay there and do well. But, you know, you think of kind of, you know, pro, it's kind of, uh, kind of, you know, the prototypical way of thinking. But you kind of think of cold weather states and, you know, there's a lot of them that already have hockey teams, but there's a lot of them that don't that could po- possibly do well. Garth, I got a state for you that I don't really hear people mention a lot with hockey, but it is a northern state and it doesn't have an NHL team, but it's a big sports sports state. What about Wisconsin? Yeah, that's another one that would be great, I feel like. Uh, John says Minnesota, South Carolina. I was going to say Alaska. Now, the, the only thing I'd say about Alaska is – it'd have to be an anchorage, right? Because you couldn't put it anywhere else to draw. Yeah, it would have route. to be an anchorage. <laughs> <laughs> because, because if you don't put it in uh, 
Anchorage, then you're just going to have to hope like there's a semi-decent tribe nearby or something. I think the issue with that is like, it would be a really good state in theory, but there's like physically not enough people to like <laughs> attend the games. <laughs> yeah, it literally have to be in Anchorage or Anchorage. Our new attendance record, 101 people have shown up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, playoff predictions. Uh, let's see. We both had the Flames. That was a massive L. The Blues, massive L. Preds, decent L. I mean, they were at least close towards the end. Capitals, pretty decent L for me. And the Pins, they were both close, but they ended up missing. The Sens, the Sens looked decent all year, but they were never quite comfortably in playoff contention. They were always kind of on the outside looking in, like, uh, they have a slight chance, like a 2% chance, but that's it. They never, never were really in a, a great position. Um, so pretty big L's there, not going to lie. Uh, we, we both actually had the same number one seeds, and we both took massive L's on that. Now, I will say, the Avalanche were at least close. They were two points behind the Knights. Uh, obviously, no one freaking inspected the Bruins, so, I mean, you know, sue us, I guess, on that one. President's Trophy, we both picked the Avalanche. Another massive L right there. Uh, now, let me see what the next thing is. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, all right, the next part, Garth, is the part that has by far the biggest L on the predictions, <laughs> and it's a prediction I made. Oh, so, no. Hart Trophy for MVP. You picked Connor McDavid, which was obviously correct. I think I know who yours was, actually. Who do you think it was? I'm going to guess that you went with Igor Shesterkin. Oh, no, not quite, but it it was almost that bad. Um, I'll give you another guess, I guess. Oh, did you maybe go with a big free agency acquisition in Calgary, Jonathan Huberdeau. Yep. Biggest friggin' L I have ever taken on any of my predictions ever, which is really saying something. Jonathan Huberdeau not only didn't win the heart, he was <laughs> one of the biggest disappointments of the entire <laughs> NHL season. He was the reverse heart trophy winner. <laughs> this guy was literally like the Russell Wilson of the NHL last year. Like... <laughs> So where he he went from being elite to being he had like fifty five points or something which yeah is okay. last year was well not last year but the year before mm-hmm. was his career year best ever and he was like second in the league in points or something ridiculous yeah he had the second most points in the league that year behind McDavid so it was like at the time it made sense but looking back at the year he had it was like oh my god this is one of the worst predictions I have ever made in life. Garth, I'm telling you right now, next year for the heart prediction, I'm just saying screw it. I'm picking McDavid. I don't care what happens. If he doesn't <laughs> if win. If he doesn't win it, you'll know he'll be like top three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I took an L on that one. Uh, Calder, we both got right. Granted, that was like one of the easiest awards yeah. to pick. So. Uh, Norris, we both picked McCarr, which made sense. Uh, Carlson had like 180 points as a defenseman. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw the Carlson season coming, <laughs> especially like, on the Sharks. <laughs> And, like, people will say, oh, he's a minus 26, whatever. The Norris is an offensive-focused award. Like, that's just always how it's been. You can disagree with that or not. That's just how it is. Vesna uh, went with Vasilevsky and Ottinger, both decent picks. Uh, Olmark, another guy that wasn't expected. So, yeah. you know. And then Jack Adams, Gerard Gallant, massive, massive L once again. Jim Montgomery won that. Hey, we got Art Ross at least. Uh and it wasn't even close, at least, so that's good. Uh, but we fucked up the Maurice Richard as well. You went with Kaprizov. I went with Matthews. And McDavid won that as well. Uh, McDavid won basically everything he possibly could. So 
Yep. Um, look, I have my moments where I make good predictions. I did correctly pick Igor to win the best of the year. He won it. And then there are years where I pick a player who had like 55 points to win the uh, Hart Trophy as MVP of the league. Uh, we're not all perfect, um, you know, so there you go. But, yeah, uh, overall, our predictions of season guard for season one were absolutely abysmal, and I hope for season two <laughs> that there's a little bit of improvement. The crazy thing is you could make the argument that playoffs was worse than our, like, preseason <laughs> playoffs. Which is really saying something. That is sad, but you could generally make the argument for that. Holy crap. Well, that's going to do it for season one of Pucking Around. Like you said, probably their last show for two to three months, unless there's some absolute crazy breaking news like Connor McDavid gets traded tomorrow, which isn't going to happen, but just for an example. Then, yeah, we'd have to do a show. But unless something like that happens, this is going to be our last show until probably late September. Uh, Garth, do you have any last comments before we wrap it up here tonight? Uh, just a huge thank you, obviously, not only to everybody that tuned in tonight, but tuned in throughout our first uh, season here on the Review and Preview Sports Network. Um, I think I can safely speak for both of us here, Noah. We absolutely enjoyed uh, this first season. It was a blast. You know, everybody made it even better with all the comments, all the different viewers. You know, we, we developed some regular guys that we see pretty much on a weekly basis. So that's really awesome. Um, because as we always say on here, if it were just me and Noah sitting here talking live and like no comments, no interaction from you guys, it, it wouldn't be as fun as it is. Like for me, the, the probably my favorite thing about doing these shows with Noah, whether it's this or sweet tea is getting your guys's reaction. Even if it's just like a joking comment, like to know that you guys are engaged and interested in what we have to say and wanting to add to the show. It, it, that's the best part about this. Um, and just a huge thank you, obviously, to all of RNP for giving us this opportunity to do this this year. Um, this wasn't really something that me and Noah reached out and said, hey, you know, we really want to join your network. Could, could you guys give us a chance to come on? It was more of like, hey, we think you guys do a, a good job. We would like to have you join us. And I'm really glad that, you know, they reached out and, and added us. We, we've joined a very awesome you know, down to earth group of guys here on review and preview that cover everything imaginal sports related. And, you know, it's only going to continue to go up and up. I think that we're trending upwards. We've got a lot of good stuff going on over here and, and huge shout out to everybody at RNP shout out to all the fans, shout out Noah for getting on here and doing this with me. And hopefully uh, next season, like Noah said, we might be back if something crazy happens, but if it doesn't next season should be even better. And hopefully our predictions get even better as well. Well, in regards to a prediction, it's only up from here. You can't go downhill from here. <laughs> we're kind of the, we're the Anaheim Ducks right now, Noah. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much, pretty much. But uh, John Suggs says less than two months to college football. Yep, less than two months since UGA uh, goes for the repeat and uh, – or the three-peat, excuse me. And uh, Garstein goes for the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Mikey Bradley says the Sabres are taking it all. Suck it, Nords. Hey, we yeah, were talking good about Mikey the Sabres does. earlier, Mikey. You missed it. Bruins will miss the playoffs next season. Man, Pete is fired up right now, man. That would be crazy. Go from winning uh, from 135 points to missing the playoffs. Nothing's impossible in the NHL, and that's why we love it. And that's why I love doing this show. And like Garth said, big thank you to Review and Preview for inviting us onto their network to talk hockey. Uh, we'll be back in a few months to talk a bit more with you guys. 
But uh, it's the Pop-Tart Bowl now. I'm sorry, Mikey. Potato, potato. Either way, Florida sucks. Anyway, um, from myself, Noah Dog Diver, my co-host and good buddy, Gar Charger Patrick, we'll be back in a few months with some more hockey talk. Until then, enjoy your offseason. Stay safe and keep fucking around. We'll see you next time.